Hello and welcome to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Dr. Adrian Peterson and produced in the studios of WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. I'm Jeff White. This is edition NWS 732 for release on Sunday, March 5th, 2023. On WaveScan today, the rising sea and the early radio scene in African Senegal, the American shortwave scene in 1927, and our Japan DX report. The small African nation of Senegal is the westernmost country on the continent of Africa, and their capital, Dakar, is also the westernmost city on that continent. Senegal is an irregularly shaped country, 250 miles by 350 miles, and it completely surrounds the even smaller country of Gambia, except for an oceanside width of 50 miles. The total population of Senegal is 17 million. Here now is Ray Robinson from KVOH. Thanks, Jeff. In its prehistory, the area of West Africa we now call Senegal was overrun by several African empires with their various ethnic groups and languages. During the colonial era, Senegal came under the influence of several different European countries, though the French became the most influential. In addition to several African languages, the French language is the most dominant European language in Senegal. Senegal was in the news recently due to the erosion of San Louis, a city that's located on an island in the northwest extremity of Senegal. As one news report stated, San Louis is being swallowed by the sea. The heart of the old colonial city, which in earlier years was the capital of Senegal, is located on a narrow island a little more than a mile long, though only a quarter mile wide. The locals call the island Ndar, and they blame the stormy Atlantic, together with the rise in the level of the ocean, as the cause of the erosion of their historic city. Back more than a 100 years ago, in 1913, during the era just before the beginning of World War I, the French government authorities established a wireless station at Dakar, the first in Senegal. The original call sign for that new communication station was KRA. However, when things settled down again after the end of World War I, an additional wireless communication station was installed at Rafisk, a suburban area within the metropolis of the capital city, Dakar. The call sign for the new wireless station at Rafisk was HWC, and at the same time, the earlier station, KRA, in coastal Dakar, was allocated a new call sign, HWB. On the radio broadcasting scene, plans were announced in 1925 for the installation of a radio broadcasting station in San Luis, at the northern border of Senegal with Mauritania, which then was also part of French West Africa. That station in San Luis, the first in Senegal, was an amateur facility that was operated by the Radio Club Senegalese. The Russian Encyclopedia informs us that this new African radio station was inaugurated during the following year, 1926, with 100 watts on 300 metres, 1,000 kilohertz. However, six years later, in 1932, the French military opened a government radio broadcasting service with programming specifically intended for the armed forces. 
We presume this new military radio broadcasting service was on the air part-time via an already installed low-powered communication transmitter in use for army communications. With the shadows of war in continental Europe already evident at the beginning of 1939, the French authorities in Senegal announced that work was underway on the installation of a new radio broadcasting station in Dakar. Three transmitters were envisioned, two at 12.5 kilowatts on shortwave for wide area coverage and one at 2 kilowatts on medium wave for capital city listeners. In those days, 10 kilowatts on shortwave was often considered to be high power. The new shortwave station in Dakar, Senegal, was first noted in the United States in November 1940, with the broadcast of radio programming on 9390 kHz under the callsign FGA. It was also revealed that this same station was in communication with another station in Cotonou, in the French colony of Dahomey, now Benin. During the following month, December 1940, the first resident in Australia to hear the new Radio Dakar was Mrs Nelson in Cairns, northern Queensland, and she noted the station on 9405 kHz under the callsign FDR, French Dakar Radio. The new callsign was due to the fact that Senegal had adopted political affinity with Vichy France in Europe. Daily programming from the new FDR in Dakar began with a strident military march, followed by a bugle call and then a bulletin of news in French. It was reported that the 12.5 kilowatt signal from FDR, Senegal, was not as strong as the two other French language stations in Africa, Radio Brazzaville with 50 kilowatts in French Congo on the north side of the Congo River, and Radio Congo Belge also with 50 kilowatts in Kinshasa, Belgian Congo on the south side of the Congo River. Interestingly, there is these days a twice-weekly air flight across the river between the two cities, Brazzaville and Kinshasa, a flight that lasts just five minutes. It's one of the shortest passenger air flights in the world. And this is because there's no bridge over the extremely fast-flowing Congo River at that point, and crossings by boat are impossible due to treacherous rapids which go on for miles. In August of the following year, 1941, the shortwave station in Dakar was noted in the United States on 11900 kHz with an identification announcement as Radio Senegambia. That title was in use as a tribute to the nearby African countries and peoples. In October 1941, another international monitor in the United States received a QSL letter from Radio Dakar in which the current shortwave scheduling was listed. It showed both shortwave transmitters being active for a morning transmission on 6435 and 13355 kHz, and again both transmitters active for an afternoon transmission on 6435 and 9410 kHz. During the next year, 1942, the Dakar shortwave station was still in service, though by then it had returned to its previously licensed call sign, FGA. And we'll have more about the radio scene in Senegal in a future edition. Back to you, Jeff. Thanks, Ray, and we'll get back to you in a few moments. Tracy Wood has informed us that Radio Gibraltar has celebrated 65 years on the air. Hitting the airwaves for the first time on the 16th of February, 1958, the station continues to inform and entertain the community. One of its stalwart presenters, George de Boulay, 
is himself celebrating a milestone this year, 50 years on the air. Radio Gibraltar reporter Michael Beltran looks back at the station's history, and he speaks to George de Boulay about his memories. You're listening to Radio Gibraltar, David A constant in our lives for decades, 65 years of Radio Gibraltar, keeping us company either at home, in the office, or in the car however you choose to tune in. Hi, you're listening to Radio Gibraltar on a Thursday afternoon. My name is Ben Lynch. The station has celebrated some big milestones in recent years, and today it's another one, 65 years. And it's come a long way from its days in Wellington Front, the old broadcasting house in South Barrack Road, to now in its new digs in Rosier Road. You're tuned to Radio Gibraltar on Medium Wave FM and online. Uh, coming up next, we have... World George de Bully is one of the few who's still on the air who can say he's worked in all three places. And he has memories aplenty. I've loved radio, uh, even from when I was a kid. I used to love it. Radio's always been part of my life. Of course, originally radios were large <laughs> objects <laughs> which were not portable, but then uh, the portable radio came and that changed everything because you could take it with you on the car because you didn't have radios in, in, in cars in those days. Uh, so you used to take the portable radio with you and the radio was, was, your, was your friend. You took it everywhere with you. Radio Gibraltar played some great music then as it does today. So it's, it meant a lot to me. It's, it's part of my life, and it's, it's always been part of my life, as a listener and as a broadcaster. And my very first task was to make a continuity announcement live on air within two hours of actually walking through the door, uh, which is quite scary, actually. <laughs> so uh, I just had to make a continuity announcement and put on air a recorded uh, radio programme, which was on a record by the BBC transcription service called Top of the Pops with Brian Matthew. Now, all I had to do was to push a, a, a lever forward, but I'd never done that before, so I wasn't quite sure just how much strength I needed, so I just did a, a little little push. It just didn't give at all. So then I went from one extreme to another, so I really pushed it forward, and that caused not only for, for the record to start turning, but also for the needle to start jumping up and down, which uh, caused quite a bit of a... Disruption. <laughs> it wasn't a clean link, but that was my first task. And believe it or not, I'm still here. From open day roadshows to beach and Valentine's Day specials, Radio Gibraltar has been a trusted friend throughout the changing times, informing and entertaining, bringing you political debates, quirky news stories, and local talent to the fore. Not to mention, of course, the news and tunes throughout the day and night in English. And in Spanish. Pues aquí estamos en este día tan especial para Radio Gibraltar celebrando nada más y nada menos que 65 años ya desde su nacimiento. Throughout the years, there have been many changing faces and voices who at times have been a part of our daily routine. Presenters, colleagues, friends. There have, of course, been many changes throughout the years, from playing records to digital to taking Radio Gibraltar with you wherever you go, on your phone or online, wherever you may be around the world. Changes, yes, but the commitment from the station to the community won't change as we head into the future. And now let's look at the American shortwave scene in the year 1927. During that year, a total of six shortwave stations were on the air in the United States, Five of them were active throughout the entire year, and one new station 
2XAL in Coitsville, New Jersey, was inaugurated right towards the end of the year. The three most prominent American shortwave stations during that era were Westinghouse Station 8XK, or KDKA, at Forest Hills, Pennsylvania, the General Electric Stations 2XAD and 2XAF, also known as WGY, at Schenectady, New York. Here now is Ray with more. Thanks, Jeff. The famous Westinghouse KDKA medium wave station also broadcasts on shortwave from Forest Hills under the callsign 8XK. And over the years, they operated many different shortwave transmitters, sometimes with as many as four on the air simultaneously. However, it's generally understood that in 1927, their shortwave service was on the air with 10 kilowatts. During that era, relays of programming from KDKA 8XK was noted on local medium wave stations in England, South Africa and Australia. In the summer, 8XK carried special programming on 4760 kHz beamed to the Macmillan Expedition in Greenland, and this was heard at a good level by Christian missionaries and government officials in the area. Likewise, General Electric at South Schenectady was operating a bevy of radio transmitters numbering close to a dozen, though the two main shortwave broadcast transmitters, 2XAD and 2XAF, were rated at 25 and 40 kilowatts respectively. In August 1927, General Electric and RCA in the United States signed an agreement with the BBC and Marconi in England for the relay of American programming on medium wave throughout England. In addition, WGY programming was also relayed on shortwave for rebroadcast on medium wave in continental Europe, South America, South Africa, New Zealand and Australia. The Crossley shortwave transmitter at Harrison, Ohio, with 250 watts on 5760 kHz, carried a relay of programming from medium wave WLW for the benefit of listeners far and wide. Their shortwave transmitter was built by their own engineer, Russell Blair. The original RCA shortwave transmitter at Bound Brook, New Jersey, was the second of a pair of medium wave transmitters that had been modified for shortwave usage, and it could operate at many different power levels on many different shortwave frequencies. In April 1927, the Federal Radio Commission, the FRC, issued a separate call sign for this hybrid transmitter, and WJZ shortwave became 3XL. That unit was in use specifically for the daily relay of WJZ medium wave programming for local relay in England. On May 25, 1927, the FRC issued a construction permit to Walter Lemon, the manager for the Experimenter Publishing Company, to co-install a shortwave transmitter with medium wave WRNY at Hudson Terrace, Coitsville, New Jersey. The FRC license was issued on October 15, 1927 for transmitter 2XAL with 500 watts on 9700 kHz and studios in the Roosevelt Hotel at 16th Street in Washington, D.C. The new shortwave 2XAL at Coitsville, New Jersey was inaugurated in late 1927 and we might add it was the earliest beginning for what has since become shortwave station WRMI in Okeechobee, Florida. Now there was one additional and quite interesting short-term shortwave station that was taken into service in 1927. 
The station was identified with the call sign 2XAI and it was located at the Westinghouse facility at Plain and Orange Streets in Newark, New Jersey for daily evening broadcasts from April the 18th to the 30th, 1927. Westinghouse's medium wave radio station for the New York area, WJZ, had originally been installed on top of their factory in Newark in 1921, but it was only accessible by ladder. So two years later, in 1923, the station, WJZ, was transferred to New York City itself. But there was a second shortwave transmitter at the Westinghouse factory in Newark, a low-powered communication unit under the callsign WAQ. Station WAQ was also on the air during the last half of the month of April, with a special series of test programs on approximately 7,000 kHz. The manager at the Westinghouse facility at the time was Mr. E. Gundrum. Beginning at 8pm on Monday, April the 18th, 1927, Station WAQ began a half-hour test broadcast with a continuous repetition in machine-automated Morse code ABC de 2XAI. Then at 8.30pm, announcer Gundrum invited listeners to respond with a monitoring report. For a total of 13 occasions ending on April the 30th, the same programming was broadcast each night, sometimes with additional test sequences. QSL cards were issued for this short-term series of test broadcasting. Eighteen months later, an entry for station WAQ was also shown on 6815 kHz in a list of all active shortwave stations throughout the world. After that, Westinghouse WAQ quietly disappeared from the international shortwave scene. Back to you, Jeff. Thanks again, Ray. Ray Robinson there at KVOH in Los Angeles. Now to Tokyo, here's Yukiko Tsuji with her DX News. Hello and welcome to the DX Report of the Month from Japan Shorthair Club, aided by Toshi Otake and I'm Yukiko Tsuji. We have several DX reports from our club members this week. Radio Northern Europe International via Pao Chun, Taiwan, was heard on 9900 kHz on February 4th, from the sign-on at 0925 to the sign-off at 0953 UTC in English and Japanese. SIO rating was 454. This was a special program for Japan. Female Japanese songs and announcements were broadcast. Ideas given as... This is RMEI, Radio Northern Europe International. Radio New Zealand Pacific was heard on 11725 kHz on February 9th from 0859 to 0915 UTC in English. SIO rating was 454. RNZ News with BBC Correspondent Report was aired. All in the radio from Bengaluru was heard on 15050 kHz on February 2nd from 11.25 to the sign-off at 1200 UTC in Chinese. SIO rating was 353. Local songs were played until 11.49, then talk program by a female announcer started. Radio Saudi International was received on 13775 kHz on February 11th from 1425 to the sign off at 1457 UTC in Udu. SIO rating was 443. 
Talk program and local song were broadcast. Interference was from China National Radio on 13770 kilohertz. Radio Austria International was heard on 13730 kilohertz on February 2nd from 10:59 to the sign off at 11:59 UTC in German and English. SIO rating was 353. It started with interval signal and ID, then news in German, including correspondent report, followed. Then short English news was aired. Radio Andorra via Moosbrunn, Austria, was heard on 6180 kilohertz on February 5th from 1701 to the sign off at 1758 UTC in French. SIO rating was 232. Interview and the songs were on the air. Radio France International was received on 17850 kilohertz on February 5th from 0820 to the sign off at 0859 UTC in French. SIO rating was 353. Talk program and music were broadcast. Vatican Radio was heard on 15595 kilohertz on February 2nd from 0729 with interval signal to the sign off at 0745 UTC in French. SIO rating was 252. ID was given at 0730, then talk program and interview started. VOA from Greenville, USA was heard on 11720 kilohertz on January 28th from 2145 to the sign off at 2200 UTC in English. SIO rating was 252. Music program was broadcast until 2157, then editorial started. WWCR from Nashville, USA was received on 9350 kilohertz on February 5th from 2140 to the sign off at 2158 UTC in English. SIO rating was 242. Religious talk was heard until 2158, then music and ID were aired. Finally, Japan Shotev Club will issue the QSL cards for the correct reports on a segment of WebScan program. We are issuing QSL card by email to the report sent by email. Our address for your email report is jswcqsl.live.jp. I repeat, jswcqsl.live.jp. Starting January, we are issuing a new verification card for the year 2023. Our QSL verifier was changed to Mr. Sakae Obara. We continue to issue the printed QSL card by the same system as before. Your report should be addressed to JSWC PO Box 44 Kamakura, which is K A M A K U R A, postal code 248-8691, Japan. One ILC or two US dollars for return postage will be appreciated. For this edition of DX Report, we would like to thank Mr. Yoshiaki Hayashi, Mr. Iwao Nagatani, Mr. Kazuyuki Kuriki, 
and Mr. Kazuaki Oikawa for sharing the information with us. Thank you for listening and please join us for our next edition of DX Report of Japan Showtime Club. I'm Yukiko Tsuji in Tokyo. And we end with folk music from Senegal. Thanks for listening to WaveScan, the international DX program from Adventist World Radio. Researched and written in Indianapolis by Adrian Peterson. Next week, the Marconi operator at the Marconi station in Hawaii. Wandering the world with the radio, part one. And our Philippine DX report. WaveScan is heard weekly on KSDA in Guam. AWR relays in various locations, WRMI in Florida, WWCR in Tennessee, KVOH in California, Voice of Hope Africa in Zambia, and IRRS Italy. Send reception reports directly to the station you're listening to. Reports for KSDA and AWR sites should go to qsl at awr.org. Other correspondence, not reception reports, can be sent to wavescan at awr.org. I'm Jeff White at WRMI Shortwave in Okeechobee, Florida. Till next week, good listening, everyone. <laughs>